0: Listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at org. Acaville, your base for the lowdown on Acapella. At the top of the hour this hour, October barbershop events. Within a two-week period in October, there are two amazing barbershop conventions to put on the calendar. First, from October 15 to 20, the Sweet Adelines are having their international convention and competition. Held at the America's Center in St. Louis, Missouri, it features amazing concerts and, of course the big competitions. Then, on October 31st, Harmony Inc. kicks off their international convention and contests in Orlando, Florida. With vendors, classes, concerts, and competitions galore, both events are going to be a ton of fun. Get info on Sweet Adelines at SweetAdelines.com and on Harmony Inc. at HarmonyInc.org.
1: Hello Acaville fans. Welcome to Tacapella, Acaville Radio's weekly talk show. I'm your host John Lampus and today I am joined by a member of one of the groups I started, my good buddy Jose Peraza Diaz. Diaz. Jose, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty
2: good, John. How are
1: you? I'm I'm good. I just came <laughs> from work where the kids are were a little scary today working at the summer camp and we gave them a bunch of otter pops, so they were they had a sugar high. So that was honestly I don't know. It was almost like a historical event or seeing like a giant force of nature. That's what it was like. Seeing seventy kids just inhale otter pops and just go nuts. It was it was yeah. really something. So I'd really like to talk about that today instead of uh well, Yeah,
2: you were you're beat by a whole bunch of nine year olds on laser tag apparently.
1: Yeah, that was another uh if you follow my Snapchat, that is another uh thing that happened today with those kids at work uh jose can you tell us a little bit about yourself
2: well i just graduated from csu with a bachelor's in biology i mean i love singing i've been in choir since pretty much elementary school but was on and off like middle school and then yeah just got back into it high school and college it was it was really fun it was great and uh, Mountain Horns was actually my first experience in an acapella group, mm-hmm. and that was also really cool too.
1: So, Jose, what got you into singing? I'm always curious about that with people because I just never was into singing until I was put in it. Because mm-hmm. in uh, junior high at, um, at Lake Oswego junior high, when I was you know, 13, final trimester, they just put me in choir, even though I didn't sign up for it because I had an open period that time because health wasn't offered first period. So basically, I'm wondering, how'd you get into it? Because I never had the experience of getting into it. Once I was in the choir room, right. then I started to like it. But the whole right. like, it's, it's the first step into it. How'd that happen?
2: Literally almost the exact same thing uh, in middle school. Okay. The same thing happened. I, I had like an open period and I just I was put into the class and I was like, I don't really want to be here. Like, <laughs> I don't know what this is. <laughs> I don't know how to sing. But yeah, just, just singing, just starting to sing. It's sort of something in just in me kind of clicked. It was just fun. It was something that I could wrap my head around in a different way. I actually wrapped my head around it using math. (laughs) Okay, tell me about
1: that. How does that work?
2: So, I didn't know anything about it at the time, but I just, like, I had a little, like, toy piano that had literally numbers above each of the keys that indicated, you know, like, C to B, Mm -hmm. and it was through 1 through 7, and just basically that's how I started building off of that knowledge, is of music. I just started with Simple math, I learned chords that way. I learned um the scale. I learned pretty much a lot of things from just math. Uh, but yeah, I wasn't really into it. it was just it was just an interesting thing that ended up happening
1: so once you were once you were in choir, did you start to enjoy it more or was it still kind of whatever? because that was honestly my kind of experience when I started I was in and I was like, this is fine, and I was in choir for a year and a half before I actually like cared about it. So, right. like, what what was your situation there? How'd that work out for you?
2: I was always really kind of fascinated with music. As a kid, I would always, like, mm-hmm. play with, like, things, just trying to make beats, drums, just yeah. drumming all over the house. For a moment there, I even wanted to be, like, a drummer when I grew up. <laughs> kind of music just kind of came to me, and I just, I really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, I think... And, I, and this is something I think a lot of people go through. For me, choir was, wasn't was harder to enjoy, but I started off not being able to match pitch. So for me, mm-hmm. I was just like throwing my voice out there and it I didn't have any sense of how I was doing. I just kind of like did it. And I yeah. because I didn't understand the idioms, I didn't understand the process, it didn't really mean anything to me it was just like oh my voice kind of feels like this sometimes and sometimes it feels like this i'm curious were you able when you started to match pitch and did you have a sense of how the process worked
2: yeah matching pitch was honestly not too hard for me when i first Mm -hmm. started out i just looked at the placement of the notes on the staff and i just kind of followed based on like whether i should be you know Singing more high or singing more low?
1: (laughs) That makes a lot of sense that you were just kind of using context clues to figure it out. Right, because I didn't know anything. (laughs) As music educators, we want people to like look at it and go, oh, this is higher, this is lower. So it sounds like we had somewhat similar experiences. You were just better at it when you started (laughs) than I was. I think this is a pretty standard experience for most like middle school, elementary males. They can just be put in it because they need more guys and then they just kind of Go mm, along yeah. with it because they're having a decent time. And for me, the turning point was when my choir director in high school told me, you should take voice lessons. And then mm. my voice teacher started showing me, okay, you're singing this note, but you should need to sing this one. And I started to learn how to match pitch and I started to learn mm-hmm. the process. And then that's when I realized, oh, this is really fun. I like mm-hmm. this a lot. Right. How was that for you? Maybe when you got into high school, did, did anything change? Because you sang throughout high school, right?
2: Yeah. The interesting thing about it is that I actually went to a, like, a middle school, high school accommodation oh. sort of thing. Oh, okay. And so I, I still knew, like, the director going into, like, high school. Um, okay. So it was not much of a shift. I was just one of, like, the main forces of the high school choir as one of the only bases that was actually committed to being in the choir year after year. Yeah. So why did w- you stick with it year after year? Uh, well, I just thought it was fun. For one, um, the other thing is that I kind of just found it like most people probably do. I found it as a way of like an outlet for stress, mm-hmm. for a load off. That's yeah. what I used choir for and singing. It's just, it was a good way of just releasing.
1: Yeah, it's definitely... Music classes are very different, especially music ensemble classes are way different than every other period or class we take in school. So when mm. you have, if you're on a block schedule or whatever, you have an hour and a half, which is as much time as you're spending on math or science that day. Right. For me, it was not only an outlet, but it was what I looked forward to every day because it mm-hmm. was so, so different. I always had my choir classes third period. So it kind of separated my day, which was, right. which was really nice. So wh- wh- how would you describe your high school choir experience overall? Looking back on it, Good, bad, fine. Cause mine overall it was good and it, it just reaffirmed my love for, for singing and that as we're gonna talk about here really soon that kind of set me up for my love for a cappella. But like right. what kind of ensembles were you in, in and what and what was your opinion of your high school choral experience?
2: To start off, like it was pretty good. It was a pretty good experience in high school. Um then you get like get to college and then there's like people that are way more committed to it than right. they were in high school. So it just like it shoots it up another level, and like looking back, I think it's it was it was decent. Uh, I wish there were, you know, a fair balance of, for instance, men that just wanted to sing, uh, and not see it as was sort, of, sort of like an effeminate thing, even though that doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. I was I was in all the ensembles. Even uh, this uh, one time, we actually kind of started a glee club, and then <laughs> we also started one where it was just like these really like more committed seniors um, and. Yeah, most of the groups were actually pretty good. Um, one thing that was kind of sad was that there was lack of men, like, mm-hmm. which is pretty common. So nobody really stayed or was committed to actually learning anything about core music.
1: And when you don't have a properly balanced ensemble, that makes it worse for everyone because you can't right. get as much out of it as you could. I, I think the point that really stuck out to me that you just made is not a lot of committed men, not a lot of committed mm-hmm. tenors and bases, all of these experience. How did that affect you joining mountain
2: horns? When it came to mountain horns, that even is like a different experience too. Cause it's just, you know tenor bases exactly uh whereas like a uh, soprano alto tenor bass which actually in high school i didn't really even know that tenors really existed just because we were only <laughs> soprano alto bass that's fair if soprano um, alto bass soprano alto baritone it's not uncommon right but as you were saying just sort of like a, a sort of wanting to get into other ensembles just more experiences um I think that's really what I was looking for—is just seeing how different timbers fit together. I was also in in college at CSU. I was also in mm-hmm. uh, the men's course, yeah. And for that like solid year and a half that I was actually in it, um, the timbre and just the music was actually really nice and rich, and it was just it was something that I really liked. That's like about fifty percent of what convinced me to join Mountain Horns was the fact that uh, I really enjoyed singing in a group of tenor basses just because i feel like just hearing something new and totally different was something that i really enjoyed
1: yeah so a little story time for people who don't know the sound know many people who do but so when i started mountain horns at csu i basically made it a carbon copy of the group i started in undergrad at university of puget sound and that group was the Timbermen? it was great, five people. And then I tried doing that again with Mountain Horns and uh, my second semester, spring of uh, 2017 at CSU, and it really didn't work doing that. It just, we didn't have schedules lined up, we weren't really committed. No one returned except for me. So I was like, okay, mm-hmm. so I scrapped it and then was like, okay, starting from the ground up again. I asked a couple people and someone was like, yeah, you should talk to Jose, you should talk to this person, you should talk to this person. And I approached Jose and I was like, hey, audition for Mountain Horns. And you're like, what's that? And then I had, to, so it was a lot of like, I needed to explain to so many people what it was. But when I came up and talked to you about that, what, I'm curious, what went through your head? What was that whole process like?
2: When I was in two ensembles, that already was like a pretty huge load because, uh, <laughs> Not trying to discredit anyone or anything, but just trying to do a science-based major was oh, yeah. pretty difficult, especially going into, like, junior, senior year. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it starts to get really tough, and you're basically... Your schedule is gone. It's completely yeah. gone. Uh, so, I was just trying to stick to mainly the the one choir at CSU, since the men's course was no longer a class that was offered. So, yeah... I don't know. In my head, I was just like, <laughs> I don't know this guy. I don't think I've ever seen him before. <laughs> I don't know if I even want to do this. And honestly, even like my boyfriend ended up convincing me to actually audition. Really? So I was Thank like, you, Alex. <laughs> right? So I was like, might as well try it. So how did he convince you?
1: What did he say? And what did he say that rang with you that made you go? Okay, yeah, let's try it.
2: I was just giving him like a pros and cons. I was like, I said, like, I really enjoyed singing with Men's Chorus, and this could be the sort of, like, the replacement, and just the fact that you were willing to, like, work around schedules for everybody to try to get it to fit well.
1: Yeah, and that's... God, that's tricky, because we actually had... <laughs> I don't know if you remember this. At the beginning of the year, we had, you know, a bunch of people audition, a lot more than I expected, and we had a tenor who, once I got everyone's schedules, it was clear this guy could just not make the rehearsals. Right. And we actually had that with two people, now that I recall. Uh, two tenors, and that was a huge bummer, so the flexibility was something that was a positive for you which as opposed mm-hmm. to maybe thinking of standard choral classes choirs right. you know you can't ask the director hey can we have rehearsals <laughs> this time instead of this time it's like no that's right. not how it works and this is something that i think is a core tenet of a cappella. it's not necessarily flexible but it is more casual and it is more about the immediate environment it's about the immediate mm-hmm. people right here right now And I like that, and I love choral ensembles, but I've never been in a situation because I'm not a choir director uh, yet. I've never had a situation where it's like, hey, let's do that, or hey, let's go do that, or hey, let's do this. I haven't had that power. Whereas in acapella, I found myself like, hey, guys, should we go do this? You get enough people, and it moves, and it goes quicker, and I'm Mm -hmm. someone who's impatient. So something that's more in tune with the immediate interests and the immediate needs and wants of everybody, I find that super satisfying. And it sounds like that was a positive for you when trying to choose if you wanted to do mountain horns.
2: Yeah, basically reminded that I actually kind of wanted to join another like tenor bass group. So that was pretty fun. And I
1: remember at the end of my first year at CSU in spring twenty seventeen, I heard that men's chorus was not coming back. And it, or like I heard it was like a rumor, and then around this time last year it was confirmed, and I was like, mm-hmm. that is a bunch of tenors and basses who are used to singing in a tenor bass ensemble that no longer have that option. Then I was I remember sitting around with a couple Acaville people and I was just floating the idea. I was like, so, you know, I want to keep mountain horns going, but it didn't work out with five. And I was like, maybe I could do like 13 and all of them were like, do it. You have to do it. And I was like, I don't know. It's kind of, you know, we'll see how it goes. And then even though, but even then I knew that that's what I wanted to do. Cause it would be different. It would be a lot, yeah. but it would be uh, super exciting. Mm-hmm. So again, that's another thing about acapella because I wanted to do something. It happened. Maybe this is all just a big, Extension of my ego or whatever, but it felt great having been in choral ensembles for so long. And, you know, as a student, I didn't have any input on really what happened to it or where we went to just kind of follow my own instincts in like, okay, I want to do this and we're going to do that and I'm going to try and make it a thing and then see those instincts and my work come to fruition. And I'm curious if when you were in Mountain Horns, and we're going to talk about that a lot more once we get back from a quick break here. As you were figuring out, yeah, do I want to be in Mountain Horns? Do I want to audition for this thing? What was your idea of what an acapella group was?
2: I think there's the general like stereotype of Pitch Perfect, you know, yeah, I knew the you're whole like that. flashy and dancing and singing and all that. That's part of what I had an idea of. But I've also like seen like for instance Main Street perform previous years before because I've had friends in them, and uh, so I saw the idea from there. It was just you know just normal singing still pretty much, but it's also more laid back, which funny enough is what exactly I was doing in high school because we were singing more like pop songs along with some like classic choral music. So Mm kind of honestly expected they would be pretty much what I've seen or was used to in high school. That makes a lot of sense. So we're going to take one quick break
1: here. I'm going to pass it over to Amanda Tran with her segment Notable Coverage, and we're going to be right back. And Jose and I are going to talk pretty much all about his time in mountain horns this past year so amanda take it away and we're going to be right back
0: you're listening to community supported accaville radio streaming acapella around the clock at accaville.org AkaVille, the only place where drums are replaced by boots and cats <laughs>
3: Hey everyone, welcome back to Notable Coverage, here only on Talkapella. I'm your host, Amanda Tran, and in this week's episode, we are talking about Attention, originally performed by Charlie Puth. Now, Charlie Puth is one of my favorite pop artists nowadays. He has a way with writing and creating melodies that are so simple and catchy and heartfelt, yet he produces and creates instrumentation arrangements in a way that is still interesting even though it's pop, a lot of pop songs, you can easily kind of work out the chords. But when you listen to Charlie's songs, um, you can tell that there's a lot of thought put into it. And I really appreciate that. Now for attention, I've been pretty much listening to it nonstop since it came out. I'm literally obsessed with the song. So I was really excited to dive into all of the a cappella versions that are out there. Today, we are going to explore two different versions. The first one is by Voice Play. Now, you probably recognize these guys from The Sing-Off back in the day. Their version of Attention is featuring Rachel Potter. And she was on The X Factor, I believe. And she is an incredible vocalist. I think she had some Broadway experience. She put out some country music. She sings pop. She can pretty much sing anything because her voice is just that amazing. You can tell she's trained. She's so controlled. Her range is crazy. And, yeah, I love this version because voice play, including Annie and Rachel, um, they are such clean singers. They sing with such precision and such clarity. And I just really appreciate their musicianship. And they can really riff off. And it's – I love it. I love riffs. I love when people overdo riffs. And it's not done till it's overdone, as I usually like to say. (laughs) And this version is super clean, super crisp, and they really executed it really well. It has a very – it almost fa- sounds like a club remix, which I love. It feels faster because it's so much more rhythmic than the original version. And yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this version by Voice Play featuring Rachel Potter. Baby, you, just the with new.
1: Yeah, you just want attention. I knew from the start. You're just making sure I'm never getting over. You just wanna, uh, 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 what are you doing?
3: Forte Acapella. This is the high school group, which is, it still blows my mind that these kids are this talented at this age. Um, but every time they put out a video, a cover, anything, it's always high quality. And yeah, I really look up to these kids and I love what they're doing in their program. Their version of Attention features two of their student soloists. A lot of times they bring in guest soloists, but I really love that they featured their current students in this one. Um, it's a very much a more um, slow, very much more dramatic, almost valid take on attention, which I really love. It created a really big contrast on the original version, and it made it interesting because a lot of the attention versions, acapella versions that I've listened to out there pretty much just sound like a straight transcription of the song, which totally works for the song because the song is so catchy and the bass line is so prominent that it's a, it, I almost feel okay with it being a transcription because it just sounds... Awesome, but they definitely took the dramatic ballad route and it totally worked. Um, the video was directed by Ryan Parma and he has done a lot of stuff in the acapella world video wise. And it is such a beautiful video. Um, they did it in some kind of like warehouse, uh, it looks like it might have been abandoned, um, but it was really cool. It really matched the tone, super moody of the arrangement of the song, and yeah, it was so simple yet so beautiful and I highly recommend checking out that video on YouTube it is on there for your viewing pleasure so again this is Forte Acapella and their version of Attention by Charlie Booth
4: I know that dress is karma perfume regret you got me thinking though when you were, you were mine and now I'm all upon on what you expect but you're not
3: For tuning in to Notable Coverage. Again, my name is Amanda Tran, and I would love to hear your thoughts and comments on attention or any other songs you'd like me to cover on Notable Coverage here. You can at me on Twitter at Amanda Tran Rocks. That's at Amanda Tran R-O-C-K-S. And I would love to hear from you guys. Thanks so much. Bye.
0: We're listening to community supported Acaville Radio, streaming Acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, your base for the lowdown on Acapella.
2: And welcome back to Acapella. Hey,
1: everyone. I've had the pleasure today of talking with Jose Peraza Diaz, one of the bases from the group I created, Mountain Horns, at Colorado State University. We just had a lot of fun taking apart and digesting and analyzing Jose's like choral experiences leading up to college. And that gave me a better sense of why he was more like, I don't want to say predestined, but more likely to join okay. Mountain Horns when I asked him. And honestly, it gave me a lot of insight into the whole recruiting process and to the whole thing of like, how do I ask someone to join a group and what do we do and what kind of people are joining our groups? But now I'm curious, Jose, this was your first year in an acapella group. What was it like?
2: Uh, It was hell with you, John.
1: Yeah, I know. (laughs) I knew you were going to say something like that. So uh, for people who don't know, I was the, uh, I was the music director for mountain horns an all tenor bass ensemble. And we had 13 members, including Jose and myself, we had four basses, three baritones, three tenor twos, three tenor ones, and one of our baritones was a beatboxer as well. And we would rehearse. And Jose, correct me if I'm wrong on this. Twice a week, one hour rehearsal, one hour and a half rehearsal, and then a thirty minute sectional. Is that all? Does that's right, right? I know I came up with that. I'm trying to remember it.
2: Yeah, I think that's about right. Yeah, pretty much. So, Jose, how was it? How was being in an a cappella group? It was actually pretty. It was pretty fun. Like I said, it was something different. There was a lot of familiar faces for one, so That was actually really nice. Did you know a lot of the guys? Yeah, you had pulled off many of them from uh, men's chorus after he had like gone yeah. away. Yeah, and so I recognized a good amount of them.
1: I never actually figured out how many. How many guys from the men's chorus did I bring out of retirement?
2: I think about four or five, probably. So
1: familiar faces. That was a plus.
2: What else? The music was uh, also pretty good I, I mean you like arranged what 90 percent of them or Me helped and, arrange ninety percent. break star who is
1: a, a friend of the show and one of our guys behind the scenes we we arranged pretty much uh everything together and then some of the other tunes we did were arranged by duncan Toomey, also a friend of the show who's been on like five times i, I can't even keep track
2: right but how many times does that happen for like a choral ensemble where they have someone you know not only conducting but also like Actually, writing their music for
1: them, uh, pretty much, pretty rare. Ne- oh, pretty much never. And I don't think that's something that's kind of in the choral culture. So that's an interesting point. Why do acapella directors arrange for their ensembles, their acapella groups, and choral directors don't arrange for their choral ensembles? I think there's a there's honestly this brings up a bunch of different things. One, it's a culture difference. In that mm. acapella is, and a proce- a difference in process in that acapella is, a, is you know, an art not inherently about, but based in adaptation. I'm taking mm-hmm. a song, I'm taking Cop Syrup by Young the Giant, and I'm trying to fit it to this specific ensemble. Whereas with choral directors, there's already stuff out there. And mm-hmm. it's like considered, I don't know, it's, I don't want to say it's considered better music, but it is considered music that is, less touchable or you don't want to go and mess with like the masters thing and obviously with acapella there's music that's out there as well but I found that with a group I had created I wanted one for them to be arrangements that were like I don't know, I would say 90% like good. Yeah, this is good. Mm -hmm. And it works for them as opposed to more carbon copy stuff that's maybe like 70% Mm -hmm. or 60%. Like it works, it's fine, but it doesn't show us off. I think also it's just easier to do with acapella because you probably have access to the file, honestly. Right. Whereas with choral music... I get noctavo, an octavo and I sight read it and I play the accompaniment through and I play through the parts. It is not something that just based on its medium is as easy to tinker with. Whereas with choral ensembles one, there's so many choral pieces out there that can fit a choir's certain needs. Whereas opposed there's not a billion versions of cough syrup out there. So, like, the idea of going in and trying to edit it, if I really wanted to edit it, it's to be like, well, why don't I just do a different piece that's more in line with the choir? Whereas with acapella pieces, mm-hmm. it's like, we really want to do this song for factors, not just, it's not, frankly, it's not all about just what is going to be the best for the ensemble musically. It's also about what's hip at that point, what's in, what's going to be best for the ensemble as a social vehicle. Whereas choral ensembles, right. again, it's, you know, you want to be up to date and you want to be doing... Modern stuff and classics, but it is more about the. Be- it's it's more sound focused and more culture. Mm-hmm. It's like what's the absolute best sound we can get out of this? Because you're trying to, not just perform, you're trying to learn as well. So you said you liked the music. You said you liked knowing the faces. What else was it about the music that you liked? Because we had a pretty eclectic set, especially first semester. And then second semester looks, in my opinion, looking at the set, looks more like a typical acapella set. So I'm curious what, and, and we can go through the actual songs in a second, but what was it about the music that you liked?
2: I think for me, it was the just, I think it was the harmonies. Um, like I said, I, I really enjoyed the sort of the timbre of hearing uh, men's voices together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's different from hearing the widespread of, you know, men and women mm-hmm. or even just women which I, I wouldn't be able to be a part of anyways. There's the other fact that we had to, you know, sing, not really sing, more like hum syllables sometimes. You have yeah. your doodos and your da-da's, your dum's. Uh, you don't really get to do that with, like, choral music. You have purest syllables, purest... Just chris diction, mm-hmm. you know, you don't you don't have to use an in acapella because you don't get the right sound, as you were saying. But it's it's more loose, it's more laid back, it's more creative, it's more fun, it's more try to get people into it, you know, try to get people tapping their feet, try to get people jiving with it. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so you liked the people, you liked the songs. What else, just about the overall experience of Mountain Horns? Because my feeling was semester one. I, I loved the whole year. Semester one was like us feeling it out as most, you know, first real semester as a group trying to figure out who we were. And then second semester was now we know who we are. How are we going to get there? And they mm. both of them had high points. Both of them had not low points, but like slogs, like where it's like we just have to learn these notes and we have to drill them. And especially second semester, I felt as Bond as a, as a family unit, as a group that and and I don't I haven't had this in all my ensembles, whether it's um you know the choirs I've been in or whatever. I felt everyone really got each other. We all were like, we mm-hmm. know what we have to do, and we know what we have to do to not just be good but to be our version of good and to be what we want to be
2: right. I know that one of the problems that we uh had for like when we were rehearsing was that we would talk a lot yeah and that's uh, in between yeah, songs yeah
1: and that's i think i think i I inherently kind of led i did that a lot because i'd talk in between and then i'd be like right. okay guys let's focus and whatnot because i want to talk with everyone
2: right but it, it wasn't always like bad like you said we are our, our group and just even our sections were pretty close together with each other we were in tune with our own voices I know that every, between every stop that we made, we usually, as just, like, the bases, we turn to each other, like, okay, what did we do there that worked? What did we do that oh, we know that. shouldn't do again? <laughs> uh, and what should we, like, just solidify here? Like, hey, you missed this note, or hey, like, it's due instead of dumb this time, yeah. or something like that, you know?
1: Yeah, you're being... Um reflective learners, reflective practitioners in right. a sense you're, and I think that's huge. Cause there's so many, frankly, a lot of choirs I've been in. It's very much like, I'm not worried about, I'm not critiquing anyone. I'm just like focused on myself. And like, how did I do there? Did they hear me? Like, uh, do they think I'm terrible now? But because we were really open with each other, everyone was like, okay, yeah, I'll fix that. Or, Oh, let me, right. let me do that. And people would like give advice across the sections. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a very open, it, it was an open ensemble, and it was an ensemble that really fostered—I don't want to say inherently like brotherhood, because I think that just sounds tacky—but like camaraderie. And we were all in it yeah. for the for the same reasons. So the processes, because we were all in it for similar reasons, we all had the same goals. The processes we took to achieve those goals, everyone bought into them. They were pretty similar. Right. We're like, yeah, this is how we do it. So what was the what was the highlight of Mountain Horns for you this year?
2: Well, as you said. the the group had kind of started over again because the first five weren't able to make it work too Mm -hmm. well, except for you. Just the fact that we weren't really well known on campus was actually pretty interesting to me. Yeah. Because we would, you know, like do performances on campus or just a little bit off campus, you know, somewhere near in Old Town. Mm -hmm. Um, Lots of Old Town. (laughs) And it's interesting because, you know, you compare it to like other major groups that were at the campus already um and they were they had you know they had their sort of venues that they could go to and and we had to like build our base that first semester that we started i don't know i i found that very enjoyable that's fun that it was like the highlight of it i found that it was just sort of just cool to sort of be one of the like founders of a group and just start building it up and make a name for ourselves
1: you know what it's like it is like when you're playing an RPG and you're figuring out like how, what is the build I'm going to have for the rest (laughs) of the game? And it's, 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 this is a silly metaphor, but it's also accurate in that. Like you're trying out a bunch of different things. Like, Oh, that feels really good using that weapon or using that armor set. Like you feel pride because you're starting something and then you get to see it through. So the traditions we started, like that was so much fun for me. Like, and people just saying like, Hey, what if we did this? Like, that's great. As long as it kind of Mm -hmm. like, fell under our umbrella. We had a vision of what we wanted the group to be. And then one, seeing the specifics of how that would come about and also just choosing those. That's super fun. We did a lot. uh, We sang at the stump that one time and the square, (laughs) like that was cool because why did we do that? Because we wanted to be a group that was well known on campus. Like that, Mm -hmm. that was one of the things we said we wanted to do. So it's super easy for us to say, let's be well known on campus. And then have just kind of a vague idea but it's like okay what's the step we're going to take this how are we going to do it we're doing it like this and that's super inherently satisfying and i'm guessing jose and it's hard for me to answer this for myself because i was the one making a lot of decisions i'm guessing as someone in the ensemble not in a music director role just you know like oh you know i'm i'm in the ensemble because that's all Mm -hmm. we really had this year was ensemble and director and then the director sang in the ensemble i'm guessing it felt kind of empowering for you being a member in the ensemble and getting to choose what that ensemble would become.
2: Yeah, I, I pretty much would agree with that. Even though I, I would say because I am more of like a quiet person, I'd sometimes sit back in the discussions, but I, I'd also listen mm-hmm. uh, pretty attentively during every discussion that we had. You know, I had my input every now and then, but yeah, it, it was, I, I guess, as you said, it, it was very empowering to sort of start this group from the ground up. My guess is... And this is how
1: I feel in a lot of these situations. You feel like your voice, both as like your actual singing voice, but also your opinion, you feel like it matters more because it's not yeah. like we started this year, like, hey, the whiff and poofs are great, but if you either you or I joined that group, they have their tradition set and it's amazing, but it was super cool for us to figure out, okay, what are our traditions? We don't know what those mm-hmm. are yet and getting to discover them. With everybody else, I th- I think the best example would be when we chose our ending song for the end of the year, mm-hmm. for the you know that we use that as our closer, which was Rocky Mountain High. That felt like wow, we are putting a stake in the ground. Even if they change a bunch of stuff, like this is gonna be the song they always end with. So our it's almost like our voice or our opinion is always gonna be there. So I I totally agree with you on what was the most enjoyable thing. Literally just simplifying all my long rant down, creating the group and. Mm -hmm. create and not just creating it at the beginning creating it throughout the year because when i turned in the paperwork and we had all the members set the group still wasn't really created it had it was the Mm -hmm. beginning of it but we created it as the year went on what was the most surprising thing to you about being in mountain horns i had a bunch of like wow i didn't expect this would be a thing and there were some things that i found super stressful and other things that were super easy that i thought were going to be terrible what was what was the most surprising thing for you jose
2: well, for me personally, the most surprising thing was how easily I warmed up to uh, some of the new people I didn't really like know. I might have seen, but I might have not ever talked to, uh, just because I don't really like to talk to new people that much. Not even inquire would I ever like <laughs> talk to people around me. But yeah, I don't know. I just I really I really found it really easy to uh, talk to anyone in that group. That was like. Not a single person in Mountain Horns that I didn't feel I could ever talk to or, you know, just joke around with or hang out with.
1: Yeah. And I'm wondering how, like, how can more groups foster that? Because I'm talking about how we all had that. But I'm not sure, you know, I don't know. I might start another group sometime and maybe we don't click like that. Maybe. And that's really what Mm. Mountain Horns was before. it. We all had different opinions I don't know if it was the reason we clicked was because we all talked about our goals at the beginning of the year. I think that helped, um, or because Mm -hmm. it was a new group. So we're all really open to what it could be. Like, how do we make this a thing like everywhere? How do we engender that for me as a music director? How do I do that? Or whether I'm founding a group, how can we kind of make positive interactions, the DNA of a group and in that Mm -hmm. integrated into the group's culture?
2: The way I saw it i I saw that you were pretty i'd say keystone to making sure that the group i guess interact with each other I think uh if you remember from what we did uh during I guess sort of the selection process of the group you had us all learn a, a bit like a little excerpt of the song and um, you just put us in like different combinations yeah. and you uh mm-hmm. got us used to each and everybody else's voice and you made sure that we were all weren't supposed to be you know shy just because we're around new people that we don't know singing which can be a pretty you know gut-wrenching thing you're just Mm -hmm. singing in front of strangers you don't ever see or know but we somehow made it work just from people that we didn't even know
1: (laughs) so the the vulnerability aspect making like getting that out in the open first and just Mm -hmm. like boom, this is how you're doing it. Because I think I had us down to, in auditions, I think the smallest groups I heard, I don't think I heard anyone on their own. I just heard groups of four. So kind of stripping everything back put us in a situation where, okay, show us what you got. Uh, One, for me, that's good because I needed to see what everyone (laughs) could do. Uh, But also it creates, I think it created an environment, like you said, that was, well, everyone was really vulnerable with each other and I think everyone was Mm -hmm. respectful of that which is huge if we had had like people who were genuinely mean then it wouldn't have worked because that vulnerability would have been squashed and then people would have been more defensive and they wouldn't have had a good time
2: right and that's what we also like set up at the beginning uh when we started mountain horns you know sort of like the ground rules of Mm. you know everybody's here we're doing this because we we love we all love to sing there's no need to uh feel singled out i guess ruled out just because you know you might be shy or feeling vulnerable that you don't know how to sing as well as someone like a vocal major for Mm -hmm. instance because i'm not anything near close to being a vocal major (laughs) i was just some person that actually really liked and enjoyed singing
1: but everyone brought their own skill sets and this is something i've talked about a lot everyone you know uh one of our Great tenors, Jared. He can't read music, but it's like I never had to worry mm-hmm. about him knowing his part. He always knew it because right. he picks that stuff up really quickly. You always knew your starting note, and you always like once you had it, you're there. And it's never like mm-hmm. it, there was never like, okay, I gotta do this. Where other people, maybe their tuning was super on point. Uh other people they were just super dedicated and they made the rehearsal space a better place to be in. And I think we all consciously brought out the best in each other and also just created an environment where that stuff could thrive. And I, and this is going to sound weird. And I think the key to that was being able to be stupid and be kind of ridiculous with each other, not just like oh, yeah. to the point where we're not getting anything done. But I remember in callbacks, it was, it was feeling a little tense. I remember cause I, and everyone was like, you know, we don't know each other we were auditioning in front of really one one guy with like one or two of his friends and it was it was pretty oh, tense. Yeah. People didn't know what was happening and I think at one point, I just like slammed the, the table, slammed the piano, just like in some stupid over-the-top way and people were like startled but then they kind of relaxed and that stupidity, right. and this was conscious on my part, like having the quote-unquote authority figure be stupid and silly in front of people while still maintaining like, hey, we have to do this, created an atmosphere where... Everything, not everything was fair game, but you realized you could be yourself. And we had a lot of people express right. themselves in a bunch of stupid ways throughout the semester. I remember I found a Snapchat of one of our tenors, Brandon. Like You can hear me in the background talking. And it was clearly right. when I was given some speech about solos. And Brandon has his whole arm taped up. And it's a Snapchat and someone's videoing him and he's pulling it off and he goes, I'm shedding my outer layer. That's objectively (laughs) stupid. But because of that desire for fun and openness to just like being silly in a productive environment, people were like down with whatever uh, as long as we were still productive. And that's, I think that's hard to do. And I think it's a testament to everyone in the group that it worked out as well as it did.
2: Yeah, sure. I I knew it was going to be more of like an open group in that sort of way when uh I saw that part of the sheet was to fill in what was your favorite <laughs> Pokémon.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was that was exactly we talked about that on a recent episode. That was exactly why I put that there because I wanted to see I don't you know, I don't have time to interview everybody who gets in the group. I think they're right. actually going to do that. They might be doing that this year. Um we'll see. You know, I recommended it, but I wanted to see, you know, on that sheet it said Range, experience, name, grade, all that stuff, logistics. And then I wanted to put something intentionally silly on there. I wanted to get a sense of who you were. I remember you, like you were like Charmander. Was it Charmander you
2: put or was it Bulbasaur? (laughs) Not even close. Yeah, it was Bulbasaur. Okay. It was Bulbasaur for one. I put like four different Pokemon on there. I think
1: you did too. (laughs) I found a couple of them under my bed recently um, when I was moving out. You had a Pokemon immediately and you had a couple. So I was like, okay, this is someone I can connect to on a nerdy level because I like Pokemon. Blaine put. Um, I'm so sorry. I don't know Pokemon. Like, but I'm sure it's really great. I'm like, this is someone who is polite and is professional and is inherently good natured. Other people just put like, it was this one, and that was it. And it, this didn't happen with our auditions, but I know with one of my friend's groups in undergrad, they put like favorite Disney character and people were like, just didn't fill it out. They're like, that was, I don't get it. That's dumb. And then they're like, okay, this is someone who's a little self-important who can't be a little sillier. So it's like kind of designing the audition process in a way to figure out who these people are so we can facilitate the best uh, group atmosphere. And that's what it all came down to. We all felt good going in and out of rehearsal pretty much every time. Mm -hmm. And that's that was what I always was, thinking about coming out of that. Did I enjoy that? Yeah. I enjoyed that. Am I excited? Yep. Do I have things to work on? Yep. But we all, we all just had a good time and that's, and that's what acapella should be.
2: You know, I think it was actually those donuts at the end of the rehearsals.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. That was another thing. Advice <laughs> for if you're starting a new group, whenever I had asked the guys, like I remember we had to reschedule a tenor sectional for Saturday morning at 10 AM and it was like, Ugh. no one wanted to be there. So I was like, okay, we need to do the sectional. I brought donuts. I just brought donuts, and that just made it better when we had a big gig or we had something. Buying donuts, it, it sounds silly, but I think, correct me if I'm wrong here, Jose, but I, I feel like you guys felt appreciated, and it also felt like a little bit of a break. What, what do you think?
2: Yeah, well, it also add on to what you said, like the stupidity that we needed. Um, it just kind of like breaks off how serious the group really is, you know. Um, not that it's not serious, it's just that we knew we were there. We also have fun as long as we also, you know, get down and do the work that we needed to do.
1: I think I think you just said that great. I think it's the difference between being serious and self-serious. The music making was serious, but we weren't like, I need to be this good or I, like, you know, we didn't have a bunch of egos. We didn't have a bunch of prissy people who like were offended or anything like that. We took our work seriously. We didn't take ourselves seriously <laughs> to the point where it negatively affected the work. And that's the thing I'm going to remember from Mountain Horns, just how fun that was. And that's what I remember... From Timberman, that same thing of like, we worked hard. And I don't want to say we worked hard. We played hard, but we worked hard. And because we worked so hard, we had room to just be stupid. And that created right. an atmosphere that I think was the uh, best possible outcome for the group and the best possible outcome for uh, for all of us. So, Jose, thanks for talking with me about all this today because it, it helped put some of my thoughts uh, in order on how I felt about all this. And I think it was it's, it's something I hope the next gen uh not next generations we're not on star trek next year's mountain horns will uh we'll consider because i think it's important yeah n- no man you took me back <laughs> yeah a lot of a lot of reminiscing so we're gonna take one more quick break here on Tacapella, and then when we get back uh we're gonna plug some stuff tell you a little bit about the show and we're gonna be right back Ta-da!
0: You're listening to community-supported Akaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at Acaville.org. Acaville, the only place where drums are replaced by boots and cats.
4: Hello, you are listening to Erin on Akaville Radio. This is Across the Pond, bringing you the highlights of UK acapella from the year. So, in previous weeks, we have had highlights on the UK Acapella Ball, on the semi-pro group Collaborate, and this week, we have a very special guest in the studio with us. It's Mr. Rob Lindsay. Hello. Rob is from All the Kingsmen, correct? Yeah, yeah, I'm Correct.
5: All the Kingsmen, yeah.
4: <laughs> um, and you've been in the group for four years. Yeah, yeah, four years. So, me, yeah. this week, we're doing a highlight on All the Kingsmen, who are a staple of UK Acapella. Um, Rob, give me an overview of your experience with the group.
5: Oh, well, oh, yeah, I've been a... I'm coming to the end of my fourth year in the group so yeah I've been in it the group's nine years old now so I've been in it for like half of its existence
4: okay well
5: elder statesman yeah
4: <laughs> it's
5: already old. no it's amazing like the group's come on leaps and bounds since I've joined when I first joined we were like we, well, first year, I did ICAs, and then we've moved on. We did done Boston Sings, then we've done touring and fringe, and it's just been yeah, it's been an incredible experience doing yeah. it for four years.
4: Doing Boston Sings, like obviously that was a couple of years ago, but yeah. did that like highlight any of the differences between US and UK acapella?
5: Yeah, it was, it was really interesting actually because we what we competed with Vassar Devils, the G Men, so that was really cool because they do a very different style The Vassar Devils set was just incredible. Like watching that set from the mm-hmm. audience, they were right. I think they were the group before us, which was completely. Following that was hilarious, but um, yeah, we tried to watching like some of the best American groups. Sort of, we literally looked at what they did and trying to like we took little things from like their set and how they performed on stage.
4: What but, like specific differences would you have picked up on? Because like that, I find this really interesting. Because obviously, um, Acapella Radio and Acapella is yeah. all American. So yeah. like actually figuring out the differences between the UK and the US in terms of Acapella, I personally find really interesting
5: i think the main one was like the stage performance of it it was like a huge like spectacle like watching sort of like some of their choreo was so good even though like some of it wasn't like not all of it was like insane dancing yeah. but like just the way they put themselves on the stage and sort of and then the whole thing with boss because it was like it's not just a competition set it's like you've got to have narratives and yeah. you've got to have like messages in it so their set so i can't remember what their songs were but it was cause it was such a long time ago but it was an incredible thing to watch 'cause like they they really like they really just like wowed the audience. Yeah. Like, they their twelve minute set was just like everyone watched and they came on stage and they absolutely blew it out of the park. And you're there going, Okay, this is the best of American yeah. Capella. We flying the flag of UK Capella, really have to wrap our game. <laughs> that was amazing because I remember them.
4: With your, like, posh British accents. Oh, yeah. Literally,
5: we they did their set, and then we came on for, like... Because you had you did a big set, and then you did one individual song. It's like, a showcase. And we went on and did um, Bloodstream as our individual one. Yeah. And I think watching the other groups, like, Vasa and G-Men, we were so pumped up. And then we went out and probably did one of the best performances I've, like, ever done. Yeah. We I could... mean,
4: seeing other groups really works well in terms yeah. of, like, inspiring you to do more. Yeah.
5: It was the same with ICCAs. Yeah. Like, watching, like, SoCal's and like yeah. easters like absolutely crush
4: it. Mm-hmm. I suppose it's the same with the fringe. Yeah. That Edinburgh fringe which we've both just returned from. Yes. And um, was a great experience. And um Acapella and all the King's men were on one after each it was other a, it was in the same theatre. Afternoon of an afternoon of Acapella. From
5: 12 till 6.
4: And I know um all the King's men have previously done longer runs but did yeah. you did you enjoy this year? Yeah, it what, was re- What was your fringe experience like?
5: Oh yeah, I think having done four fringes you I've seen like ups and downs of like from like awful flying on the mile, like selling your show, which I hate doing because I'm a really lazy flyer. But um, this run was amazing. Um,
4: just, just give a, me a brief overview of the Edinburgh Fringe because um, I don't know if some listeners might not know what it is. Or we, when I
5: joined the group, yeah. I
4: didn't know. I didn't even know what the Edinburgh Fringe was. And they were like, "We're gonna try to do it this year," and I was like, "I have no idea." Like,
5: Edinburgh Fringe is an enormous. It's, I think it's the biggest arts festival in the world. I think it it's is. It's been yeah. around for seventy five years. Right. I think it was set up um, just after the Second World War, and it's incredible. And you've got thousands and thousands of acts all doing what they love doing, from like weird expressionist theatre to dancing to music to comedy. And then there's like now a developing a cappella scene. So Mm -hmm. a lot of the university a cappella groups from the UK. There's so
4: many of us there.
5: We were really lucky because it was like it was us, you a cappella, a cappella, out of the blue. And then Oxford natives, like, literally, like, it was really, like, really chill. Yeah. All at different times, no competition on the mile. It's great. But, like, I think now there's so many of the other groups now for the second half, because the Fringe is for a whole month. It's, like, literally Edinburgh is overtaken by all the, all the Scottish people run for the hills. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're, like, like seeing it. Not doing all <laughs> this.
4: Um, what's been your personal highlight with the group? Ooh. And why?
5: Um, Pitch Battle was really fun, because I just love being on TV um, nah. um that explain was, pitch battle pitch battle was a bbc one show that was on last summer mm-hmm. which was not it was partly celebrating acapella music but it was also celebrating just like general choir yeah. choral singing so they got loads of groups with loads of different genres and mm-hmm. we were one of the groups we were really lucky to get on um and we competed against some amazing opposition like we came against like we had a riff off with a enormous gospel choir from portsmouth university yeah and they were so fun to riff off against and they're like it was and basically it was like basically it was like a knockout competition yeah. where you would like do riff-offs like pitch per- perfect style
4: was it yeah. weird watching it back on tv like oh, seeing yeah. yourselves
5: it's so weird like you don't realize how you like present yourself on like mm-hmm. to other people until you like watch yourself back on tv yeah because obviously we like we watched it with like a microscope seeing how <laughs> the... but no it was it was an incredible experience we got to ma- meet some like amazing artists, we met people like Shaka Khan and Seal and Nick and Joe Jonas. They were great. Ooh. Will Young was great. Just drop Young. a name. Yeah, I, drop a name. I do it all the time. Literally. And
4: um, just to wrap things up, what what does the future hold for all the King's Men? What can
5: it's a really bright future. I like the guys we've brought in over the past two years. Like I've seen the group grow in the four years I've been in it, and like I'm coming to the end. But I think i We've left the group. The guys who have like really pushed it on in the time i've been there we've left with such an amazing sort of foundation they like and the people like staying on the group the people who are now in charge are so ambitious for where the group wants to go they want to do the coolest music with the most outrageous choreo and yeah so I'm, I'm so excited it's gonna be great for when i when i leave the group to like sit in the audience and watch it i know like, yeah.
4: oh i'm i'm not looking forward to that it'll be so weird not being in it it's gonna be really <laughs> hard
5: like not jumping up on stage yeah that's gonna be fun they're <laughs> probably gonna drag me up they really don't want me to leave but i'm like oh no, it's, they I'm,
4: really don't want me no, to leave, no, please. To. <laughs> All
5: right, well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having this
4: has me. been Across the Pond with Erin on Acaville Radio. Tune in next week for more on UK Acapella. Bye.
0: You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming Acapella around the clock at Acaville.org. Acaville, where people know the hashtag symbol, is for more than social media.
1: And welcome back to Tacapella. We are wrapping up this week's episode. I've been talking with my former uh, aca- acapella mate, you know, bandmate. I, uh, right. I I don't know exactly what the term is, voice mate. That doesn't sound great. <laughs> um, Jose Peraza <laughs> Diaz, who was in uh, the acapella group I started at CSU Mountain Horns. We just had a bunch of fun uh, reminiscing and kind of analyzing our experiences together about like what this group was and why we found it successful. So, so uh we end each show by asking the guest, "What is your biggest piece of advice for the uh, the standard acapella person out there in the world? What's what's your biggest piece of advice?"
2: Well, I'm not I'm not going to give any advice based on actual like singing or vocal technique. You don't need uh, to. People rarely honestly, do. Honestly, I'd say i'd say just be willing to be vulnerable mm-hmm. um talk to people in your group you know they're they're people as much as you are too
1: that's great boom i totally agree and i think that is inherently what made mountain horns um both a personally successful experience for me and a musically successful experience for uh for everybody jose if people want to see what mountain horns is all about how could they do that
2: well i'm glad you asked um <laughs> we we are on twitter we are on snapchat we are on instagram facebook uh find us all on there mountain horns um you can also find me on pokemon go if you need to <laughs> uh
1: yeah just at mountain horns uh we're everywhere i think on facebook it's at csu mountain horns just type in mountain horns and we pop up quite a bit yeah um and then if you want to find me you can find me on twitter and instagram at john lampus so jose thanks again for coming on this was an episode where i didn't want to talk about big grandiose ideas or intense musical stuff as much as i love doing that i just wanted to reminisce and try and get something out of those rem- reminisces reminiscings yeah. I, I don't know what the plural of is reminisce a not can reminisce be a out never mind i don't jose, so. thanks <laughs> for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. This was actually pretty fun.
1: All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Tacapella. Please feel free to reach out if you have an idea for a topic, if you have a question that you want us to answer, and we will see you next time. And for everything acapella, please stay tuned.
0: You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Ackerville, where people know the hashtag symbol, is for more than social media.
6: Hello, my name is Lisa Hawkins and welcome to Cappella's new mini segment, Asking for Directions. In this short segment, I'll talk about ways music directors, business managers, presidents, or anyone in any sort of leadership position in acapella can improve their group. And even if you aren't in a leadership position, maybe I can give some tips to help you out or ideas that you can bring to the table for your group. So today we're gonna talk about how to effectively plan out a rehearsal. And this will be more for the MDs or music directors of groups. But I think more often than not, it's easy for the MD to walk into a rehearsal and just flip through the music and wing it. I know this because I did this my first year. It's easy to trust that you're talented enough to read the music and teach it, and that very well may be true. But in the long run, it can be very inefficient and prevent your group from reaching its full potential because as the MD, you're not reaching your full potential. No matter how amazing of a musician you are, a music director, conductor, what have you should always come prepared to a rehearsal. So let's talk about what that means. So from the very beginning, before you even start rehearsing a song, I highly recommend creating a general plan for the entire teaching cycle of the song. And what that means is like, when should the piece be entirely learned? When should it be entirely memorized? Or when should it be performance ready? Like have a timeline of goals and when you want to reach them. This helps you keep track of how the group is doing, and it can also keep track of how you're doing as an MD. You can see that your group is either behind or ahead based on these dates and goals, and if you aren't reaching these goals and times, maybe you should rethink your teaching strategy. And sometimes I ask my singers, hey, like, what can I do to make this easier for you? And you might be surprised how many of them have really cool ideas and how many of them actually end up working that you would have never thought of yourself. Then once the rehearsal starts, think about all the musical things like notes, rhythms, text, articulation, dynamics, the list goes on. And we can break those down in more detail another day. But I call these layer concepts and they're very important because it can help you break down a song for your singers and make it easier for them to compartmentalize. So when you're doing this, make sure you identify the most tricky parts of the songs, whether that be rhythm or notes, etc. And think about those layers. For example, if a song has a very tricky rhythm in comparison to the notes, maybe break down the rhythm in sections and make sure you have those down before you even start tackling the notes. And when you do this, the singers will really appreciate that you have have a strategy or direction of mine, because honestly, your singers will know if the MD is unprepared. So something I always tell music directors is type out a detailed schedule for each rehearsal like to the minute and that sounds a bit extreme but trust me it is so helpful not only for your singers but for you this helps you stay on track in the rehearsal and decide if you have spent too much time or something or you haven't spent enough time on something and it helps you decide when to move on so decide what you want to accomplish how you want it to be accomplished and how much time will be allotted for it before each rehearsal and it really helps me to write down some exercises that'll help the group when I anticipate reaching a difficult part in a song like breaking down the rhythm and how I'm going to do that in that really helps your rehearsal flow also keep in mind even if you plan a schedule down to the minute you very well may throw that out the window once you actually start rehearsing and that's totally okay but at least you have that to reference to at least make sure that you're getting enough done in that rehearsal time so think about those things and keep track of the time you have because we all know time in rehearsal is always a battle in the most valuable resource that we have and when performances come along there never seems to be enough time So to wrap this up, one, have a timeline of goals for your songs and when you wanna reach those goals. And two, think about the layer concept and identify what the trickiest parts of each song may be. And three, write out a detailed schedule for each rehearsal and bring it with you to reference. So that's all I have for this week. But if you have specific questions, I would love to hear them so I can answer them. You can post them on Aukaville social media sites with the hashtag Aukaville or hashtag asking for directions. Or you can reach out to me personally on Facebook or Instagram. Again, my name is Lisa Hawkins. And thanks for joining me on this week's mini segment of Asking for Directions.